Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslinder. This message is from the series Jesus in the Gospel of Luke and was preached on February 27, 2022. I have a question for you as we begin. How did you do on your test this week? You're looking at me like you didn't know you had a test. Did you get an A? Did you at least pass? Did you fail? Or did you not even know that you've been tested? I was a, uh, at my last semester at what was then Grand Canyon College, and life was pretty crazy for me. I needed 21 units to graduate, and they won't normally allow you to take that. I had to get special permission to take that many classes, and they granted it to me. I was also a pastor in Gila Bend, and so I was driving from Phoenix to Gila Bend two or three times per week. I was married. Dawn was working as a nurse. Life was totally and completely crazy. And by the end of the semester, things had piled up for me. I found myself, you know, missing this class to finish writing a paper for this class. I got sick a couple of days and missed some more classes, and I showed up for a literature class one day, sat down, said hi to me, and my friend said, are you ready? And I panicked, because that was the first time I realized this was test day, and I had not even read the book we were going to be tested on. In a panic, I immediately left my seat, went up to the professor, explained to her what was going on, and asked permission to take the test the next day. I didn't like her answer, but it was the right answer. She said, Jack, it's your responsibility to know when the tests are. It was in the syllabus. Sit down and do your best. If you haven't read the book and you're supposed to answer questions about the book, it's pretty tough to do well on the test, and I did not do well. So let me ask you again, how well did you do on your test this week? Did you even realize you were being tested? We're studying Jesus in the Gospel of Luke, and today's passage is usually called the temptation of Jesus. The Greek word for temptation is the same as the Greek word for testing, and so I'm calling it the testing of Jesus. It was both a test and some temptations, and as we study it, I really want you to think back to your own testing this week. Every day, as a follower of Jesus, every day is a multi-part test with challenges and temptations and decisions to make. And I want you to think about, how well did you do this week? Now, as I talked to God this week, I had to admit to him that on some of the tests I had, I failed miserably. Now, he forgave me, because that's the nature of God. But he also reminded me, you're going to be tested, Jack, on a regular basis. You're going to be tempted on a regular basis. So be ready. One of my goals today is to remind you that every day is a test of your faith. Jesus is not the only one who gets tested. Every day is a test of your character. And I want to help prepare you for those tests because they're going to keep coming for the rest of our lives. We never get to the point where we don't face temptation. We never get to the point where we can just skate through with A pluses every day. 
We get real tests of our Christian character and life every single day. So I want you to think about that, even as we study the temptations and testings that Jesus went through in Luke chapter 4. Let's stand together as we read of the testing of Jesus. This is right after the baptism. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, it is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. You may be seated, and I want you to think about the nature of testing. Before even we get into the specific three temptations of Jesus, I want you to learn some of the general principles of tempting and testing for you and I are tested on a regular basis and we need to know some of these principles when can we expect to be tested or tempted and I want to share with you three times based on this passage of scripture principle number one is not what we might expect but we need to know testing often comes when you're winning When everything is going your way. Now, think about Jesus here. He was 30 years old. Must have been a long 30 years because he came to be our redeemer. And he really, in Jewish culture, couldn't do anything much until he was 30 years of age except prepare and pray. And now he's finally 30 years old. The, The age in Jewish life when you could become a rabbi or a priest and people would start paying attention to you. He had just been baptized And it had to be a high point of his life when he heard the voice, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Biggest point in his life to that date, and then boom, God's spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted. No resting on his laurels, no basking in the glory of God's voice. The high point was followed by his toughest testing to date. So listen, be careful when you're winning. When everything is going your way, you're more vulnerable than you think. Think of the many Christian leaders that we've read about in our lifetimes. It seems another one comes every week, another Christian leader who failed. Their churches were on fire, their integrity was unquestioned, and then boom. They failed a moral or ethical test, and it destroyed their ministry. They forgot this principle. 
when you're winning and things are going your way, you're going to be tested. You're going to be tempted. Principle number two is similar, but I wanted to phrase it in a different way. You will be tested when you're walking with God and filled with the Holy Spirit. Luke makes a point, although this was true of Jesus' whole life. Notice that Luke began the passage by saying Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. And Satan still attacked him. The truth is, when you're following Jesus and you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you're walking with God and you're sharing the faith and you're serving in the church, you have just become an attack target. No one attacks the third string quarterback who's sitting on the end of the bench. Some of your Cardinals fans, who's the third string quarterback? Almost nobody knows because no one pays attention to him. But if you're the number one quarterback, you got every six foot, six inch, 325 pound guy in the world coming at you to take you down. So when you're doing well in the spirit, when you are walking with God, when you are serving in the church, when you are sharing the faith, when you are growing, then you are a target and you're going to be tempted and you're going to be tested and you're going to have obstacles and you're going to have issues. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong in your Christian life. It's to be expected. It happened to Jesus. It'll happen to us. So be ready when you're winning. Be ready when you're walking with God and walking with the Holy Spirit. And principle number three, and you can see it in Jesus' life, is testing often comes when you're weak. Jesus was God, but he was also man. And after 40 days of fasting, he was weak and he was hungry. It's no wonder that Satan tested him first with hunger. I mean, think about that. How long can you go without food before you start thinking about food? Satan, start, yeah, Satan starts tempting me about an hour after dinner. Jesus had gone fasting for 40 days. He was weak. He was hungry. And that's when Satan said, hey, turn these stones into bread. I know you can do it. Do that. When you are tired, hungry, or overly stressed, You've gone days off without, gone days without a day off, then be ready. Because you can anticipate that during those times, you're going to be tested. So, but put all these three together. And you understand what I'm telling you? You could be tested anytime, any day. And it's part of our life, we know, especially once we say, I'm a believer in. And a follower of Jesus. I want to be filled with the Spirit. I want to serve God in the church. I want to share my faith. I want to live honestly and ethically and morally. I want to follow Jesus in everything. When we have declared ourselves to be followers of Jesus, we're going to be tested and we're going to be tempted. Our character is going to be challenged. Our integrity is going to be at risk. Our morality is going to be hit with a harder temptation than we've ever had before. So put these together. You can expect to be tested, tempted today, tomorrow, this week. So be ready. 
And now we can look at the specific with temptings of Jesus. And I really do want you to understand these because there were three different types of temptation. And by the way, they're given a different order in the book of Matthew. So apparently the order they came in is not all that important. But I do want you to understand the types of temptation that Jesus faced. And his first temptation was a temptation of the flesh. We're all familiar with these types of temptations, overeating, sexual temptation, violence, sins of the tongue, saying the wrong thing. In this case, for Jesus, it was hunger. Jesus, use your divinity, your power, your God. Use your power for food. Now, understand this was more than it seems because if Jesus had done that, it would have been a betrayal for his whole reason for coming. Men can't turn stone to bread. I can't. You can't. Nobody can. And Jesus came to live like me. And so he chose not to. If he did it here, used his power to satisfy himself, then he might have done the same thing on the cross, which would have destroyed our very salvation. Temptations of the flesh are more serious than they seem, for when we give in, we start a habit. And that habit will ultimately bring us down. Notice the cycle that Satan used in order to tempt Jesus with this, because there is a, a cycle here. The first thing that Satan used was doubt. If you are the Son of God. Not, I know you're the son of God, and I know you can do this, but if, introduce a little bit of doubt into Jesus' mind. Understand that doubt is one of Satan's greatest tools. He used it first in the Garden of Eden. You remember with Adam and Eve, did God really say this? He didn't say he didn't. He just introducing a little bit of doubt. Are you, are you sure that's what God said? Are you sure that what God meant? And he uses doubt greatly today. Are you sure that's what the Bible says? Do you really think that still applies? Would it really be all so bad if you did this or that? That's one of the great tools that Satan uses is introduce a little bit of doubt into the equation. We're more likely to give in. I also want you to see that Satan used impatience. Listen, Matthew tells us that God knew Jesus was going to be hungry, and right after the, the 40 days, God sent angels to serve Jesus. I mean, immediately after the temptation, God knew. God had a plan. God was ready. God knew that Jesus was going to be hungry. He served him. Tamales, I think it says in the Greek. I'm, I'm not sure exactly what it is, but uh, angels came and served him. What Satan was doing was rushing Jesus. Don't wait for God. Do it now. And we're all familiar with how Satan uses impatience in our lives. Buy now, pay later, but then you become a slave to debt. Party now, sleep later, but then you're destroying your health. Have sex now, get married later, and your impatience leads to all kinds of consequences and hurt for you and others and children and relationships. Jesus was willing to wait patiently. Impatience is a great tool that Satan uses on people to bring them down. 
And then Satan used something I'm calling perversion, taking something good and using it for evil purpose. And that's what Satan specializes in. Um, food is good. It is a good thing. But Satan wanted Jesus to pervert the process. Sex is a good thing. In the right context in marriage, it's a great thing. Satan offers a thousand perversions. Muscles are good, but they can be used for great evil. What Satan specializes in is taking something God has made that is good and using it for great evil. Our tongues are good. Our ability to speak is a great thing, but Satan has the ability to take it and pervert it and turn it into something evil. Wealth can be a great thing and can be used by good, but Satan has the ability to take it and use it for great evil. So this is the process that, that Satan was trying to use on Jesus and that he uses on us. Introduce a little bit of doubt, make you a little bit impatient, and then take something good that you can justify and turn it into something bad. That's how Satan tempted Jesus in the flesh. The second temptation was one of power and wealth. Satan offered Jesus all of the power, authority, and splendor of the kingdoms of the world. Just worship me, and you get everything you ever wanted. Think of the implication here. Look at you, Jesus. You claim to be the Son of God, but you are flat out broke. You claim to be a king, but you're wandering in the desert without food, without a follower, without anything. You want people to know you? Nobody but God even knows you're here. I can offer you all of those things. I can give you the money to do the good that you want to do. I can give you the authority that you need to enforce your standards. I can give you the recognition that you seek, but only a few are giving you. I can give you everything you want. Now, that's a powerful temptation to anybody, but it's based on untruth. Satan used this tool that he uses all the time. He mixed truth with error. Yeah, on the surface, it looked like all of the kingdoms were following Satan. But they weren't really his. They were created by God. They were loved by God. They were given authority by God. And God, through Jesus, was in the very process of redeeming them. But partial truth, a little bit of truth mixed with a little bit of error, is a favorite tool of Satan. Now, I want you to remember that, and I want you to understand that untruth, shaded truth, partial truth, truth mixed with error is not a tool of God. It is a tool of Satan. I'm hearing more and more Christians kind of mix truth and untruth to make their points. A little bit of untruth is mostly true, but not, not quite. I'll, I'll shade it and only give part of the story, so it's not true, I'll just outright lie in order to do God's work. You can't do God's work with a satanic tool, even if your goal is good. In God's work, the end never justifies the means. Truth has to be offered by the Christian in all things. And so he was offering truth. Hey, these are my kingdoms. I can give them to you. 
Not true, even though it might have looked like that. As Jesus pointed out, this was compromise. There is no middle road. You're on one side or the other. You can't worship both God and anything else. You can't serve God and Satan. There's only one God. And you are to worship and serve him only. So you had the, the uh, um, temptation of the flesh, the temptation of power and wealth. And then you had the third temptation, which I'm defining as testing God rather than trusting God. So, so here's his argument. Hey, Jesus, doubt again. If you really are the son of God, and if God really is who you say he is, throw yourself. It's in the Bible, and God will save you. Hey, listen, many people today still play that game using the Bible incorrectly to test God. That group that's been around for years, hey, we're going to play with snakes, and God's going to protect us. That's not what the Bible teaches. We're allowed to speed like crazy because God's angels will protect us. I don't have to wear a seatbelt. God's arms will hold me. And then people can move to the next question. Hey, what are you afraid of? If God is for you, who can be against you? That's Satan's game. He uses the Bible incorrectly, out of context, to make it say something it doesn't say to lead you into some kind of stupid behavior. And that's what Satan was doing to Jesus. And notice the cycle again that he used. He started again with doubt using the same line he used earlier, if you really are the son of God. And then he misused the Bible, one of Satan's greatest tools. As you can see, and I want you to know this, Satan can quote the Bible with the best of them. Just because someone quotes the Bible does not mean that they are godly, filled with the Spirit, Christian, quoting it correctly. Sometimes Satan even quotes the Bible correctly, but he always uses it for the wrong purpose. Go back sometime and read the chapter, Psalm 91, where this, is, this quotation is taking out, that God won't allow your foot to be, to be harmed. The, the teaching of the passage is that God will protect you, not that God wants you to challenge him and test him. And so the temptation was to test God rather than to trust God. So listen to me carefully. As believers in and followers of Jesus Christ, we must use the Bible correctly. Only for what it was written for. We can't twist it. We can't make it say something that it doesn't. We can't use it for selfish purposes. We can't take it out of context. We can't string verses together to make it say A when it really says B. We have to do our homework. Do our study. Find out what God meant by any particular passage and only explain it in those terms. What is the purpose of the text I'm studying? I have to do my work and study that and only present that. Any other use is one of the great tools of Satan. And I hope you're smart enough to know that some of the cult groups are excellent at this. 
Look at Jehovah's Witnesses. Anything they turn out has more Bible verses on any given page than anything I've ever seen a Baptist turn out. But it's a verse here, a half a verse there, a couple of verses here, string it together with this sentence and that statement. And then the whole thing is wrong, even though it's quoted the Bible from beginning to end. Now, here's the scary part. Christians and even pastors are starting to become good at this to make political points or personal points or, or, or moral points. We have to take the Bible for what it says. We have to find out what it means and only present that. Or we're playing the game that Satan played with Jesus and we can't test God. Testing God is trying to force God into your own selfish behavior. Trusting God is doing it God's way from the beginning because you know that his way is the right way and you can trust him to sort out all of the consequences. Satan was leading Jesus down a path of mistrust. He correctly quoted the Bible, but he used it incorrectly. Hey, go ahead, test God. What God wanted from Jesus is the same thing he wants from you and I. No, I'm going to trust God. I'm not going to test him. I'm not going to be an idiot and throw myself down from, from the top of the temple, but I am going to trust that God's going to take care of me and nothing evil is going to happen to me unless God allows it. I will trust him. I won't test him. And so those are the, the testings of Jesus. I want to give you some applications, some things to learn from this about your own testing. Okay, number one, be ready. Especially in times of victory and weakness, which pretty much means all times, you're going to be tested. Be on your guard. Before the day is over, you'll be tested, you'll be tempted. You'll have issues, you'll have challenges, you'll have obstacles, and how you respond is a test. Be on your guard. No one is beyond temptation. No one is beyond defeat. Following Jesus is a challenge even in easy times. We do not live in easy times. And so we need to be on our guard. And remember that I'm going to be tested today, tomorrow. And I tried this week, and I'm not going to tell you how I graded out, because I gave myself a letter grade at the end of every day. I'm not going to tell you what my grade point average was, but I can do better. And with God's help, I want to do better. But that's a helpful tool for you. Look, how did I do today, God? Oh, yeah. Oh, I did do that, didn't I? Forgive me. I want to repent of that. I want to change my behavior. I want to be more like Jesus tomorrow. So, number one, be ready. Number two, work hard to understand God, God's purposes, and God's word. Because if you don't know God, and you don't know what God is trying to do in the world, and you don't know God's word, you have set yourself up for failure. Because you won't even be grading yourself according to, to the right scale. If you don't know what God wants for this world, your outlook on countries and politics and church life will be so skewed that you're, you're going to fail. Listen, God's purpose for the world is to make disciples of all nations, all people. And lest you forget that, you will become self-centered and begin to think only in terms of the United States of America. God loves all people. We need to understand his purpose for the entire world. It's not just here. That's why we do mission work, by the way. 
Because we're concerned about people in Avondale and Goodyear and Tolleson and Phoenix and, and, and Glendale and Mesa and Tempe. But we're also concerned about people in Ukraine and people in Kenya and people on the island of, of uh, uh, the Dominican Republic and people in South America and people in Norway and people in, in Russia. We need to keep God's overall purpose in mind or we won't think correctly. If you don't know what God wants from you... And what he wants, biblically, is to turn you into a faithful believer in and follower of Jesus Christ. If you don't understand that, then you're going to grade yourself on the things the world grades you on. On on money, on success, on goals. And you're going to be completely skewed. If you don't know what God wants for the church to lead us to make disciples of Jesus, then you're going to judge the church on all kinds of false things. The eloquence of the preacher, the quality of the music, the the pews, the carpet, the buildings, the architecture, the programs, the ministry. And so easy to grade on the wrong things when you don't understand the purpose. So you've got to work hard to understand God. Are you wanting to be able to grade yourself correctly? Am I becoming what God wants me to be? And then number three trust him first for salvation and then for your daily life none of what I've said today makes any sense at all until you put your faith and trust in Jesus until you come to understand that Jesus really is God's son that he lived a perfect life that he died on the cross he was buried that he rose again, and he's alive today and calling you to believe in him. None of preaching, none of church is going to make any sense until you've trusted God for your salvation and come to that point where you say, I I do admit, I'm a sinner, I've done wrong, I need God, I need Jesus, forgive me, I want to follow you. So trust him for your salvation, but then trust him in daily life. I'm going to do it your way, God, because you know what? You know 10 times more than I do, 100 times more than I do. So if you said to do family life this way, money this way, sex this way, business this way, family this way, life this way, I'm going to trust you, I'm going to do it your way, because you know what you're talking about, and whenever I start thinking, I make mistakes. So I'll think, but only about what you want, and I'll do it your way. So it really comes down to trust. You trust him for salvation, and then you trust him for life. I'm going to do it your way. You and I are going to be tested this week. Our church is going to be tested this week. You've been told, be ready. Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslinder. You can find out more about our church at abcaz.net and you can find Pastor Jack's sermons on most podcast apps. Thank you for listening and may God bless you.